And we're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a special episode because it's a Sunday. It is. Packers are on, and I'm watching the game while we while we do this. <laughs> oh, football. Love it, love it. Oh, my headphones went out. Who do we got today, Damien? We have Ken of Dirt Nap Records, and I'm super excited to talk to Ken. Um, if you don't know, Dirt Nap Records is home of Marked Men, Sonic Avenues, Mean Jeans, Steve Adamick Band, um, Low Culture, and so many others. You're a good actor because you made it seem like you read that like you're actually reading it off something, but that was all off the top of your head. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this because to me, like independent labels are still the lifeblood of, of creativity when it comes to music. I mean, what do you think? Ali? No, I think that that's a great point. It's so true. Um, and Ken has done a lot of great stuff. When you listen to all the bands on his label, he's really curated a bunch of bands that sound really great together. Like they could all be on a playlist together. You know, yeah. it's it's a broad enough spectrum, you know, where not every band sounds like the marked men, but they could all play a show together. They're all very uniformed in a sense that yeah. is really fucking cool because it makes that label what it really is. Well, it's, it's sometimes, and we, we've had Scott Hamilton from small stone. And like when, when you have a label that you know exactly what you're going, it's not, not to say that they're not adventurous, but you know what you're right. going to get, you know, there's going to be quality there. You know, it's going to kind of be something you like. And those are my favorite kind of labels. Cause like, Oh, I'm going to buy, Triple B is another one. Yeah. Like yeah. whatever they put out, I'm going to try because I know the their taste and I know what they bring in is going to be top quality. Right, so right, right. I'm very excited to see what, what motivates Ken because he's been doing it for, what, 20 years now? Yeah. Or longer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, like you said, it's just something where it's like you know what you're going to get so you can expect that. And it just makes it... For me, it makes it like I'm very excited to discover new bands that are going to be, you know, I get the weekly emails and and when there's new releases and Sonic Avenues is one of the, you know, bands that came out of nowhere. Well, I guess it didn't come out of nowhere, but they they sent me a a new release and I I checked it out and it's like one of my favorite bands now. I mean, they're so great. Um, So I definitely look forward to getting those, you know, weekly emails and new releases. And, you know, I'm always stoked on whatever, whatever it is. And plus it's real, like a term I just heard a million times today is he's not a culture vulture. Like this is, this is real to him. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And that, it's, I love it, that. Yeah. yeah. So let's go. So I think uh, just to set the mood, I think we're going to play a track from uh, one of our favorite bands, The Marked Men. Nice. And we're going to play the title track off Fix My Brain. So here it is. Treat yourselves. <laughs>
Okay, that was Fix My Brain by The Marked Men. Um, and so that's just to give you guys a little bit of, uh, you know, a vibe of what this label is all about. Just a little taste of what to expect. <laughs> yeah. One day we really have to do this on video. <laughs> I know, it's going to be so great. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. All right, well, oh, here it is. He's calling in right now. Hello? Uh, hey, what's up? This is uh, Ken from Dirtnet. What's up, Ken? Uh, you have uh, Tim over here to my left, which you, you can't see. How you doing, Ken? <laughs> Good. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for joining. My, my brother Ike to my right, which you also can't see. <laughs> Hi, Ike. Uh, and myself, Damien. Um, pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, you know, I've been, you know, asked to do a few of these things lately and have always kind of like not been super interested, but I think you guys caught me on a good, in a good mood on the day that, uh, on, on the day that Dale wrote me. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> exci I'm, I'm excited yeah, to be it. on here. I appreciate yeah. that. It's always fascinating for us to have someone like you because we're all somewhat in the music industry at various points in our life. And when we see someone like Dirtnet that is that has done their own thing and actually beat the system, I mean, it's just something. That's why we wanted to have you on because it's it's such an amazing thing to be able to do because really everything's stacked against you, you know. Oh, in, sure. In the music industry and especially in in the twenty first century, so that's why we wanted to have you here. So um, for the people that are listening that aren't that familiar, we don't. I mean, they can find your history out there. Give us a little bit about Dirtnet. Uh, let's see. Well. Um... We put I put out the first Dirt Nap release in January of 2000, um, so I guess that makes the label a little under 22 years old. I guess I mean it's it's kind of um, you know it's kind of debatable on when it actually started, but I, I guess I counted as January of 2000 since that's when the first record actually came out. And uh, I guess Dirt Nap started as like an outgrowth of an internet radio show that I had called well Dirt Nap Radio, and um, I remember when I first started that show. I think it was like 97, maybe 98. It was like one of the earlier like internet radio stations out there. And um, um, I guess the label just kind of grew out of that. You know, I was, I was, you know, since there wasn't like 20 million internet radio show, you know, punk internet radio shows at the time. I mean, I feel like the show got a pretty good like international following fairly quickly. And um you know, it eventually got to the point where a lot of like listeners were, you know, sending in their band's recordings, you know, in hopes that I would like play it on the show or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it just kind of started out of that, like it started as a radio show and kind of morphed into a record label. Um, although I, I had had the idea for a long time to do a, a record label called Dirt Nap Records. Um, I think I'd been bugging my friends by talking about this label I was going to start for, you know, probably at least three or four, four years before I actually got around to doing it. So, so growing up, is, is that what you wanted to do? Were you in a band? Did you want to be a DJ? Did you want to own a label or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I pretty much, you know, for better or worse have, you know, spent my entire life hanging around the, the punk rock scene. Um, you know, I started pretty young. I think that was 12 when I went to my first show, something like that. And I'm, I'm 50 now. So, All right. um, like I said, for better or worse, I guess this is what I spent my life doing. Um, I haven't really done bands um, just because I just, you know, don't seem to have any, you know, natural musical inclination whatsoever. And I don't really have the patience to, you know, follow up on it. I've tried to, you know, take up guitar a couple of times over the years and it's it's just never been something that I've stuck with. But, you know, with that said, I've pretty much, you know, in my life have done, you know, almost any other kind of thing you can imagine, you know, that involves, you know, the indie music scene or whatever. Um you know, I've booked shows, I've helped put on zines, I've, uh, you know, I've worked at record labels and distros, you know, prior to starting Dirt Nap. So you're 12 years old, you already know what you want to do. That's kind of like us here. Like, I've known since I was six years old that I wanted to be in music, and I was lucky enough to be able, same with you, be in different facets mm -hmm. of the music industry forever. Mm -hmm. So what was it that set you, was it that first show? What was that first show? Uh, well, it was, uh, my mom took me to see The Clash. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, badass. It was, wow. <laughs> it was on it, but it was, you know, it was on their final tour. So it was, it was the Mick Jones less, uh, version of the clash. Although, you know, at 12, I really didn't know the difference yeah. and I thought it was like the best thing ever. And then the first, 
show I went to, not with my mom, <laughs> would have been uh, Black Flag uh, in summer of '84, okay. I think, wow. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I was, you know, I guess pretty lucky to be able to see a lot of the the great stuff in the '80s and '90s. I mean, I guess that's one you know advantage of being old. Yeah. Is that, oh man, props uh, to uh, mom uh, for getting you started off right. You know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So cool. Well, you know, my, my mom kind of had you know somewhat good taste in music. I mean, she actually liked the Clash too. Um, but kind of, I think with her is more, uh, you know, she was kind of more attracted to the, you know, dub and reggae and dance influences of the band. She really like, she yeah. really liked the album Sandinista, mm -hmm. whereas that's like probably my, like my, my least favorite clash record. But, um, yeah, so we had kind of like converging, you know, musical tastes to some degree, I guess. That That's amazing that your mom's favorite album by the clash was Sandinista. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that, that's the person that's great. I think she's, she's gotta be the only one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what area of the country did you grow up in? Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, that's where I'm, I'm currently living after spending, you know, most of my adult life on the West Coast. Yeah. But yeah, I grew up in, in Madison, which is like the capital of Wisconsin. It's, you know, a pretty cool little, you know, progressive college town. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I currently live about 75 miles east in Milwaukee. Okay. Um, and I moved back from Portland. I lived in Portland for 12 years. Uh, and I moved back, I think in like summer of 17. So I've been, I've been back home for a few years now. Okay. So you, so you grow up in the shadow of say like wax tracks records where, and like, so you kind of form your own thing where, you know, something like dirt nap, everyone knows when they go there, what they're going to get, they know the quality and they, you know what I mean? You, you oh. obviously have a very good ear. Oh, thanks. So like for me growing up, there would be certain labels, like I said, wax tracks, not that it was necessarily, but even going back when I was a little kid and it, and it always bummed me out. Cause like, I loved kiss as a real little kid. Right. And mm -hmm. I would buy everything on Casablanca, but most of it was shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, they, they did a lot of disco. Yeah, it was stuff, a lot of right? disco, yeah. but you had P-Funk, but you had Angel. But it was just like, oh, you mm -hmm. expected everything to be that. And then later on, you started to find labels that everything was what you wanted to be, whether it was metal stuff like at Megaforce or, or you mm -hmm. know, that kind of stuff. So I think it's cool like that that you did that. And you. it seems like you're, that, that Dirt Nap is based on your personality. Yeah, I feel like it is. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, for a lot of years, I was, you know, lucky enough to kind of be able to make somewhat of a living off of my taste in music, which is pretty, like, incredible to me. Um, but yeah, the thing with, you know, with the, you know, I guess, consistency of Dirt Nap is that, you know, that was definitely really a conscious, uh, you know, that was a conscious thing when I was starting the label, like, I really wanted to go out of my way to, like, give it an identity and not just be you know, a bunch of like, here's some random stuff that I happen to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when I, when I kind of like, you know, pick bands for Dirt Nap or whatever, I really, you know, try to, uh, you know, take a look at kind of the bigger picture and see if, you know, how or if or how, you know, the band I'm looking at kind of fits in with the, the rest of the aesthetic of the label. And you've had bands that, that have gone off to, to the majors from Dirt Nap, right? Cause I didn't the briefs, cause I was at Interscope and I, I know we did one oh. thing with the briefs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys, uh, you know, they, they got dropped before the record actually came out, but they they did record an album for Interscope. And I think the only thing that ever really saw the light of day out of that was like a, a three song, uh, you know, radio promo CD. Yeah, I remember. Like, I think that's the only thing that came out. I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, of all places with those guys, and they were complaining about the label. And I said to them, like, and I've had to say this to other bands, like, well, why would you go away from where you're like the big fish in the small pond and just do this where no one knows who you are or your story. You got to go where you have support, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, for a while they were, you know, really the only fish in the pond, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as like, you know, bands that were actually, you know, on dirt nap as opposed to just doing like, you know, one off seven inch or something. I mean, they were the first, uh, by a pretty good, pretty good margin. I think for, yeah. Yeah. I think for like the first year or something, they were pretty much, you know, the only band that we were focusing on or whatever, you know, yeah, I mean, I was just, you know, based on what was Tim was just saying, um, I I wear, you know, my Dirt Nap Records T-shirt like like a badge of honor. Like I feel like whenever All someone's well, I actually need a new one, and it's it's so tough to find. I was actually looking at Green Noise Records to try and see if I can grab another one, but um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that because I definitely need to get another a new one. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, actually, I, mean, I just oh, I'm oh sorry, sorry go ahead. so sorry, no, no go, go ahead. ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say I, I just actually had some new shirts made. Awesome! And um, yeah, if if you if you uh, you know when we get done with this, you can send me your address. I can send you one. 
Oh, oh no, we'll we, send you yeah, money we, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and after we we definitely want to talk about. I think you have a Patreon as well, so we want to make sure that you know everyone supports the label and. Oh, thanks. Like yeah, um, actually, those shirts are are just for Patreon subscribers. I thought I'd kind of try something different this time. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I I literally wear it to shows and everything like that, and I just feel it's very rare that a, a label can you know you can wear a shirt from a label where everyone knows like every band on that is just legendary and you know i feel like pe- some people can't even come up with a playlist with great bands like that so i think mm-hmm. it's so awesome that you're able to like you know bring all these bands in and and you know form a label around that so oh um, thanks yeah i mean it's definitely been you know i definitely didn't had no idea when i started that it was going to go as far as it has so you know it's interesting. So when you started, what what were the goals for Dirt? And were you just want to put out cool music so people heard it? Or did you have like a vision that you wanted? I mean, kind of a little bit of both, you know, I mean, I think I started out just, you know, I guess, in the very, very early, you know, days of the label, I, I kind of saw it more as, you know, kind of an outgrowth of the radio show, where I'd kind of play like, you know, sort of obscure garagey punk from like, you know, all over the world. Um, Cause that's what I was getting a lot of. And that's what a lot of our listeners were, you know, that's where a lot of our you know listeners were coming from. Um, but then pretty quickly, I mean, pretty early on, or probably around the time we signed up the briefs, uh, you know, I, I had really noticed, um, uh, you know, just going to a lot of shows in Seattle and, and Portland and Vancouver, BC, um, that there just seemed to be a really, you know, great wave of new up and coming bands that were like kind of, you know, definitely like, building an audience pretty quickly, but none of the other, you know, none of the other labels in the Northwest really seem to be jumping on any of them. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess I did have a vision at that point and that's kind of when I started really putting out a lot of records really quickly. And, and, you know, at that time it was, it was mostly focused on the Northwest. I mean, you know, I think probably of our, oh geez, I don't know, 30 or 40 first releases, like almost all of them, or at least, you know, the, the vast majority of them were, were Northwest bands. Okay. Okay. And then like, so you're doing that and you know, the music business is so different now. Like, did you like back then there was like, if I remember like Sims and Ames, there's all this like coalition of independent music stores. Like, did you hmm. take advantage of that or did you just kind of do your own thing? Um, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of took advantage of it just in that, you know, one thing that's really helped, uh, you know, kind of put Dirt Amp on the map pretty early on is that I had really good distribution almost from day one. Um, when I when I started the label, I was actually working at uh, Morden Distribution. Okay. And uh, well, they were based in the Bay Area. I was living in Seattle, but you know th- that was the distributor at the time for you know stuff like Lookout and Alternative Tentacles and you know Sympathy for the Record Industry and a lot of other you know kind of big indie labels of the, at the time. Um, so you know, not only did I have you know probably a little bit more you know in the way of like contacts and stuff when i started the label but also um you know they 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 you know mortem kind of just did me a personal favor and took me on like as an exclusive label like you know way 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 before they normally would if it was just some random you know random label approaching them or whatever yeah and then you guys obviously you took uh the best use of licensing that you could that came your way correct yeah yeah i mean it you know that stuff's been super slow the last few years but for Mm -hmm. a while we were really kicking ass with it um we hooked up with uh brian archer who was for most of you know most of the 90s and early 2000s he was the in-house licensing guy at uh, fat records okay and then um now he like he still works with Fat as a client but um he has you know other labels he works with too so we've been with him for a while now um for a few years, we actually switched things up and went with uh, Subhop when they were starting, you know, they were starting their own in-house licensing thing where they would, you know, do stuff for other labels. But yeah. uh, in the end, I just kind of felt like Railer was a better fit. So, you know, I basically crawled on my hands and knees back to him and begged <laughs> him to, you know, begged him to take us back. Well, that, that I mean, for a label like yours, like we had um, Scott Hamilton who runs Smallstone on a few months ago. And I know mm-hmm. that was his lifeblood for a minute too, like just licensing, just to help pay the bills. You know what I mean? Because you want to put out what you want to put out. You know, you don't. You're not looking for hit singles. You're not looking for this, that, mm-hmm. or the other. You just want to put out great music, and sometimes that is a good way to kind of back that up. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I definitely think that. 
you know, the label definitely couldn't have gone as far as it has without that. I mean, you know, there was a time there where, you know, we have this one band, uh, Bad Sports from Texas. And yeah, um, yeah, it seems like we were just licensing their stuff like left and right. Like it seemed like every week, like a different, you know, TV show or whatever was was using one of their tracks or something or another. And then um, we had a bunch of other big ones around that time, too. Um, kind of in retrospect, I think that was probably you know, one of the better, you know, one of the higher points of the label is they are, boy, I guess it's like, you know, eight or nine years ago now, uh, where we were just getting stuff licensed like left and right. But like I said, it's pretty, it's pretty darn slow these days, unfortunately. Yeah. I know Damien and I have a bunch of questions, but I just, I, I'm always interested in in people like, so growing up, like, what was it that got you into music? Like, were you into like comic books first or sports or like what, what happens there? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I, I was into both of those things, but I should also mention that I was really into music, like really super early on Yeah, and, you know, weird music, especially like before I discovered punk, I was, you know, definitely into metal. Uh, you know, I was, I think I had a like ACDC patch on my jacket when I was in like second grade or something. We sound like the uh, same person, <laughs> same age, everything. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, and, and so you know, all through well grade school and early middle school, I was kind of a, a metalhead, and then I, you know, switched over to switched over to punk at probably like eighty three or so, something like that. Um, but yeah, so you know, I've always kind of been into a lot of you know kind of geeky kid stuff, whether it be you know, music or comics or, um, or sports. I used to be like, you know, obsessively into those Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, it's kind of funny. Cause like, you know, I don't, I don't care at all about sports anymore, but I can still remember. I think I can still remember like the entire starting lineup of the 82 Brewers just cause I was that into it at the time. That it's, still, it's still like imprinted on my DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that the advantage that people like you and myself since we're the same age is, we live, I always tell these guys, we lived on this timeline where all of this cool shit happened, but we saw it firsthand, you know, from, mm-hmm. from rock into metal, into punk, into hardcore, into hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff, even video games getting dropped. Now, I don't play video games, but you know what I mean? Cause the yeah, I mean, that, we, we had cartoons, comic books, music, and sports, <laughs> and that's it, you know, monster yeah. movies. But then we, all this other stuff got added onto our life tree and it's just fascinating to watch. So we get a full understanding of, of all of that because we lived it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a pretty good point. I mean, we, you know, if, if you and you and I are the same age, then we've definitely lived through a lot of the same history. And, you know, it's, I don't, you know, I don't always think this way, but, you know, when I kind of take a step back and think about it, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty lucky time to be around, you know? Yeah. Um, and just, just kind of see the evolution from, you know, the 80s to the 90s to the, you know, 2000s to now. I mean, you know, we've, sounds like you and I have both kind of lived a lot of history, you know? Yeah. And I'm from the Midwest as well. And it's, and for me, it's that, that for me, it's like with you always looking for new music and new bands, I'm the same artist development. That's what I've always done at labels or management. Like, like I could easily just go back and, and live the days of the stuff I loved growing up, but like, I just want to find new stuff. You know what I mean? Cause that still excites me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I kind of went through a phase, which, you know, maybe I'm still in it a little bit where, you know, I, I kind of go through phases every few years where like, you know, I'll kind of spend one year, like mostly listening to old stuff. And then, you know, the next year I'll kind of like, my interest will kind of swing to new stuff again. And I'll, you know, be as up on, you know, all that stuff as I can, as I can be. But, you know, I still think that, you know, for, you know, a 50 something year old guy who's been doing this for a long time, I mean, I, I still feel like I am at least, you know, somewhat on the, have my finger somewhat on the pulse of the music scene, you know, probably less so than, than I used to. Well, I think it's yeah. it's kind of like just being active, like your your brain is active. You're always searching. So if you were to ever take a break from it, I'm sure it'd be a lot harder to do that. But I think because, you know, like yourself and Tim, like you're just constantly looking and constantly listening and you're open to it. And I think it's just it's just like a muscle that you're you're, you know, working out every every day, basically. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it has. I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. But, you know, I also think that it has gotten harder for me in the last few years. Um you know, partially because of my age, um, you know, I'm definitely not, you know, I mean, there was a time when I started doing that, I mean, I was going out pretty much every night, uh, you know, I would go to shows probably like five nights a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm definitely not like that anymore, you know, now that I'm, you know, older and a bit settled. I mean, I think I probably still go to more shows than a lot of guys my age, but, 
you know, I've definitely slowed way down. Um, and then, of course, you know, with the whole uh, global pandemic thing. Uh, What's you that? Know. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, I kind of think from, you know, not going to a show for about a year, actually more than a year, I kind of feel like a little bit out of practice at it, you know? I mean, I've definitely been going out to shows. I mean, I was uh, out at one last night. But uh, I've noticed that since they started having shows again, I've been kind of going out even less than I was before the pandemic. You know what I mean? Uh, it's funny that, that you say that because, you know, what we do for our living, we have to go to shows. We have a bunch of shows. Um, mm-hmm. And I know everyone's like, I can't wait to go back to a show again. But I don't I, – I see people – just taking it for granted already, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's not really, there's not the, there used to be a times and I, I love the Bronx, you know what I mean? So mm. I, like there are people, I gotta go see the Bronx. I gotta go see the Bronx. And now it's like, if they're at a festival, I see people like people are m- more into this festival uh, mindset. It's like what happened with comic books and graphic novels where, you know, once graphic novels came out, people just wait for those. They don't buy the books every week. And I feel that's happening mm-hmm. with music. Like, I'll just go to a festival. I'm not going to go support the show in Madison or Cincinnati at Bogarts or whatever. You know what I mean? That's not what has anything to do with the Bronx. I'm just saying overall. Right. No, I mean, I, I think that's a really good point because, you know, I mean, when we were kids, the whole festival thing wasn't really nearly as big of a deal as it is now, you know? Yeah. Um, it was kind of, I mean, you know, they would, they would happen, but it was kind of more of like a crazy novelty where now it seems like every you know, every region kind of has their own, you know, annual fest. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I like going to those things, but, um, you know, it kind of gets to a point with that stuff that, you know, I really like seeing music kind of up close and in kind of intimate, small scale uh, environments. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like, a lot, you know, with the bigger fests, I think a lot of that gets lost for me. Yeah. Like I actually don't like going to most of them and the ones that I, the ones that I do like going to tend to be like kind of like the smaller, more, yeah, you know, DIY minded ones. Um, I just, yeah, I don't, I mean, I just never, you know, I just never really liked, you know, big, huge outdoor, you know, gatherings in general, I guess. I think you um, just really hit it on the head with the whole uh, festival versus more of like an intimate setting. It just, it makes such a huge difference. Like I'll never forget the first time I saw Youth Brigade at Safari Sam's mm-hmm. and it was just mm-hmm. it, like something happened inside of me just because I was right there next to the band and wasn't worried about, okay, which stage do I have to go to next? To yeah. Out, you know, the next band or whatever. It was just, yeah, that more intimate setting is just, it, it, yeah, it, it's huge. Yeah, I think like Warp Tour was badass for, for what it did, but I think it kind of slowed the growth of, of what music would have become anyway, that kind of music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. So, I mean, it, it brought a bunch of people into that scene, but once Warp Tour is over, they all walked away and are buying whatever they're buying now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, but I know it's not Gallows Records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. You know, I've never been to... Warp Tour, I've never been to Lollapalooza, I've never been to Riot Fest, like, just those, like I said, those just, like, large-scale things just don't interest me that much. Yeah. I mean, just to go back to the festival thing, I feel like if, I I know you've done um, sort of, like, an anniversary show, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did a big 14-year one in uh, Seattle and Portland, and then I had a big, I had a big one booked for 2020, but obviously that didn't happen. Yeah, we're in Southern California, so I wish I was able to to attend. But yeah. um, I mean, mm-hmm. if there was a festival with Dirt Nap Records, uh, you know, the roster in general, even you know bands that are no longer together or you know no longer playing, I mean, that would be the most epic thing ever. It'd be like one of those fake Coachella um, lineups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you got to come out to Wisconsin next summer. I'm I'm actually working. Uh, I'm working on rebooking that for. Uh, June of next year. So. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. That'd, that'd be amazing. That'd be a good excuse to get out there. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So where do you do that usually? Um, it's going to be at this venue, the High Noon Saloon in, in Madison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I live in Milwaukee now, but, and so for, you know, for a while when I was looking to rebook this, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, shit, maybe I should just do this in Milwaukee since I don't even live in Madison anymore. But, yeah. you know, the, the people though at, at the High Noon were like so incredibly nice and supportive and, you know, flexible and just generally cool when I was booking the original thing that I, you know, in the end, I kind of just felt like I should be loyal to them and, and do it in Madison. And it would have a better feel than say having it at the rave or something like that anyway, to be honest with you. Nothing against the rave. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I think it's kind of a perfect size venue. It's about 400 
capacity and then there's like a big huge like outside courtyard too so it's you know it's kind of like it's not too small and it's not too big you know what i mean yeah um when we did the 2021 we actually sold the place out quick enough um that the kind of the production company that runs that club kind of offered us a bigger venue um which in some ways would have been cool because i could have you know i mean could have sold more tickets which is good and then there'd have been less people bummed out because they couldn't get tickets or you know because they couldn't get tickets or whatever but in the end i just really felt like you know the venue was just so perfect that i felt like kind of you know you know upgrading or whatever to like a larger kind of like less you know place with like less character would have really taken something away from the fest so i just decided to just keep it as is yeah is there is there a a song or a band that that when you heard them it it changed your life like for me it was when i was in like third grade the first cheap trick album came out and i heard he's a whore the first time like all right this changed everything (laughs) i you know it's funny because i've listened you know i listened to a few of these shows and uh, you know a few of your shows in you know preparation for this and it's, it seems like cheap trick comes up a lot so that's cool they i do. like cheap trick too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know it would probably be i can't really think of like one in particular but like it would probably be something like 70s punky uh probably something by the you know the ramones sex pistols mm-hmm. uh yeah you know probably the clash uh because I, I remember when i first heard hardcore i wasn't immediately converted um it was just so different from, you know, anything I had heard before. I mean, I, I probably had already been listening to seventies punk, but for a couple of years by that point, but mm-hmm. you know, I just felt like when I first heard, you know, damaged by black flag or whatever, um, I just didn't really have any context to put it in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't really know what to make of it at first. Yeah. I think that, that first suicidals like that too, because it has the Van oh, yeah. Halen type guitar on it. You know what I mean? And it's right. just, yeah. Oh yeah, that that one was definitely influential to me. But you know, now that I'm kind of thinking about this more, uh, I might have to go with with something by the Misfits because that just really, you know, blew my mind when I first heard it in yeah probably '83 or '84. And you know, I, I still love the band to this day. Yeah. That that yeah. Walk Among Us album when the first time you hear Skulls, it's it just like yeah. I mean, it's just like I can't believe someone wrote this. Like, a it seems like it should be a number one Casey Kasem you know Billboard yeah. hit because it's such a perfectly <laughs> written song. But obviously. Yeah. But yeah, it's just amazing. Oh, you do you want to hear a funny misfit story? Yes, absolutely. Um, I um, you know, back like back in the early eighties, they were like, you know, my favorite band when I was first getting into punk, and um, you know, I was absolutely obsessed with them. But at the time, you know, obviously this is pre, it's not only pre-internet, but it's pre, you know, when they reissued all that stuff. You know, I mean, that shit was just like literally impossible to even hear. You know, all those singles and stuff. And um, I remember, you know, I met a slightly older dude who was, had moved to Madison for college, like it's a big college town, uh, from the East Coast, and he had all those original Misfit singles. And uh, so I went over to his place and I taped them. And uh, I, I taped all the Misfit singles over a tape I already had of uh, Adrenaline OD. Okay. And then, um, you know, over the years, uh, so many people taped that tape for me and then taped it. Yeah, uh, you know, for other people who taped it for other people that like years later, I think it was probably early 90s by this point, I was at a party in California and, you know, the Misfits were on and the last song cuts out and it goes into Adrenaline OD. That's amazing. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, in, that was insane. That is... I was like, well, I'm, I'm 2000 miles from home and somehow these guys, you know, got a copy from somebody who got a copy from somebody who got a copy from somebody who taped it for me like seven or eight years ago. Damn, that is that is amazing. Because and all you had to do is ask the person who was playing it, like, who's that at the end? Because they probably wouldn't know it was AOD. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's <that's> amazing. <laughs> I thread that you had AOD already. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I, I I loved them. I loved them back 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 then. They hold up pretty good too, I think. So so for you, like growing up in Madison, like. You just got all the hardcore because that was another regional thing. You know what I mean? Like you had the DC mm-hmm. scene, you had the Necros and that in Detroit, and you had the, the West yep. Coast stuff. Like you just took it all in, right? It's just it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I probably as far as the hardcore scene, you know, came out, you know, I was probably a little too young to catch, you know, the the absolute zenith of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, I probably started going to shows around the end of eighty three or so. Um so, you know, a lot of the really classic stuff, like, for example, like I never saw Black Flag when they played Madison with Dez, but I did see them several times with, you know, Henry, um, you know, that kind of illustrates, 
right there, kind of the time frame that yeah. I was in. So, you know, maybe I missed some of the absolute, you know, glory days of the hardcore era, but I still saw a lot of great shit, though. No, don't get me wrong. Well, we missed all of that, so we're jealous. <laughs> yeah, Damien and I are like looking from the outside in, super envious. So, yeah. <laughs> but you guys, have, well, you have your youth. <laughs> well, so do you. So do you guys. <laughs> No, but yeah, you know, it's, it's always kind of, it's always been like that though, you know, cause you know, in the, in the early eighties, everybody, everybody was bummed that they missed out on, you know, seventies punk and, yeah. you know, I'm sure if you were around for seventies punk, you were bummed out that you missed, you know, Velvet Underground and the Stooges and like early seven, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's kind right. of like just a continual thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and there's great shit out there now. I mean, the, the shows are obviously different because of insurance and lawsuits and that, like you can't mm-hmm. have the shows like you used to, but there's some great stuff out there right now. I oh, mean, yeah. And even some of like we were at punk rock bowling and we had Matt, we were there with Madball, and like, I mean, it's different now and it's 35 years later, almost 40 years. Later, mm. And it's still, it still went off. You know yeah. what I mean? So oh, sure. I mean, there's no, you know, as artistically, I think there's really never been a shortage, you know, there's never really been a time where there hasn't been a lot of great music out. I mean, you know, obviously some eras are better than others. Um, but there, there's always been great, great rock and roll out there if you know where to look for it yeah and I'm, you know i mean i'm assuming there always will be i mean a lot of you know obviously a lot of things have changed too but you know sort of the original kind of you know impulse or inspiration behind a lot of this stuff is really just as strong as ever i think you know yeah if you could sign like just fantasy world one band that you could sign the dirt nap who would it be oh i don't even have to think about this one it would be rocket from the crypt or uh any of john reese's you know related projects oh fantastic nice yeah yeah that that that's that's kind of like like that one's like a total no-brainer like that would be an absolute dream release for me and i actually did i did email him once when the night marchers were starting and uh you know said i would be happy to put something on dirt nap and he actually got back to me right away and was like really super nice but was like you know we're not like super prolific songwriters and we kind of just want to save it for yeah save the songs for our albums and you know we want to put out the albums ourselves so i was like yeah that's cool all right can't, i can't argue with that you know i actually have one more question say oh, if, sure. say if there's a new band out there right now what how do they, how, how do they go about getting your attention or or working with you um well you know it's it's kind of varied a lot over the years um you know some bands find me sometimes i find bands i mean i i definitely have found quite a lot of the bands that wound up on dirt nap through other bands you know like especially in the early days of the label when i had you know the briefs and the epoxies and you know the spits too uh were, who are all touring, touring around constantly at the same time and they would come back and tell me about like, oh we just played in you know dallas with this band the marked man you got to check them out or whatever oh, fucking love yeah. marked man yeah i was gonna say we have to bring them up at some point okay i'm gonna <laughs> yeah. let them do that <laughs> well i mean just to get back to um you know I guess, uh, how, you know, what songs or what, you know, albums or whatever changed your life. Like mm-hmm. one of the biggest reasons that, that we wanted to talk to you is because, you know, we were, Ike and I are, you know, um, a little bit younger, but, um, you know, we missed out on those early hardcore days or just, you know, you know, we didn't get to see Ramones live, which is such a bummer, but, um, you know, we, we were growing up in a time where, where punk rock was not really, you know, the bands that were quote unquote punk rock were more mainstream. And so we were trying mm-hmm. to listen to, you know, like minor threat, um, you know, those bands like back in the day. And so we didn't really have anything new. I felt like to really look forward to, like, unless it was something on epitaph or fat wreck. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for me and for Ike, you know, I, I remember we, we sat down and listened to marked men and it was, think, was one it of the like biggest 2010 that ghosts came out. And that album is like, still like in my top 10 favorites. It, yeah, it, it totally re-inspired oh, cuz we yeah. play we play music in a band and and it totally re-inspired my love for punk rock and oh, and, yeah. and then just, you know, once I once I heard that checked out Dirt Nap and and it was just all over from there, you know? I mean, every band that you've signed or that you've put out, I am just honestly, I'm just very in awe that that you were able to to, you know, build this. Um and Oh wow, well thanks. I mean, that's... Own, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm really impressed at just how cohesive all the bands are that you have together. Like they are just like, like we were talking earlier, like they could all play a show together. They could all be on a playlist together. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's very like you've curated this so like strategically and intelligently. Like, it, it's, oh, thanks. It's well, really I mean, good. I'm glad, I'm, 
yeah, I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because that is something that you know have put a lot of thought into over the years, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, I still do. Uh, like I think I think I mentioned it towards the beginning, just sort of like looking at the label as a bigger picture than just any one band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right, right. And I think kind of like a follow up to what Tim said. Um, like I'm, I'm sure it's got to be super important. You said you were going out to shows a lot, like five times a week. You know, uh-huh. that's that's got to be like a big part of you know deciding who you bring on board I, I would imagine oh yeah it's huge and then plus you know i think it it also helped me at the time that you know i was as somebody who was out at like every single band show i was kind of like a you know known quantity already like i already knew a lot of the people right uh, so, so in the bands who i wound up working with in, in like the very early years of the label but yeah so I'm, I'm sure you had to see like just a ton of amazing bands but was there like off the top of your head like one that just really stood out that just moved you when you saw them live you know, I mean, I would go with, as I'm trying to think of like the era that I was starting the label. I mean, I would go with, you know, the first two bands to really, you know, quote unquote, sign their, to Dirt Nap were The Breach and The Epoxies. And, nice. you know, both of those, I, you know, I, I caught on to pretty early. I think I was at the first, I think I was at The Breach's first club show. I think they had played a couple house shows before that, but I was pretty much at their first public show. And then. Wow, that's uh, crazy. The Epoxies had only played a couple of times when I saw them for the first time too um so like i said it was just i think i you know in a lot of ways the early days of the label were just um a lot of kind of being in the right place at the right time you know i mean it seemed like the northwest was just exploding with great stuff and you know like i said for some reason the other record labels at the time weren't really like jumping on these bands uh so yeah i mean i i definitely think you know timing and luck had a lot to do with it it was just meant to be <laughs> yeah yeah there you go but yeah i just want to personally thank you for just re-inspiring my love for punk rock and and you know i, I think once it was you know obviously there's exploding hearts there's marked men there's high mm. tension wires there's like so many bands that are just so amazing um and so i just yeah just wanted to talk to you and just kind of pick your brain about like this whole you know journey that you've been on and and let you know like that it's honestly inspired a lot of people and myself wow yeah absolutely thanks it's it's you know it's it really i really can't stress enough how much that means to me because you know sometimes you know sometimes you know when i'm feeling kind of more cynical i'm just kind of like oh yeah nobody cares about this shit except for like me and my friends but it's oh dude we you know, love it man we love it you, you, <laughs> you sort of you sort of lose pers- you know you kind of lose the perspective that you know you really are you know hopefully ideally you know reaching other people who aren't just your you know immediate circle of friends or whatever yeah and so, i mean yeah so thanks sonic avenues has been like one of my favorite bands now after you know hearing television youth and um oh yeah those they're, they're so definitely definitely one of my uh one of my personal favorites i thought they really when we did those 14 year shows you know 14 year anniversary shows in uh seattle and portland i, I honestly thought they they stole the they stole the show even yeah. though all the other bands were great too um also they're they're definitely some of my favorite uh people to hang out with too they're really like they're really like a fun great bunch of guys i've been actually i've actually been was just saying to my partner the other day that we need to get up to montreal to hang out with some of those folks at some point yeah nice and i i would be remiss to say obviously we mentioned mark man but radioactivity oh hell yeah um you know uh I mean, there's just so so many bands. Like, I'm just trying to think. Like, <laughs> just, just go down the roster. Right? I know, honestly, like, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's really. I mean, I obviously know that you know bands can put out their own stuff and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, like that your your connections and relationships with distribu- distribution is is something that I think um, those bands are very lucky to have you. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know like that was always definitely you know a selling point for. The label in those years that you know we could you know because we never really had you know we never had like major distribution or whatever but uh you know we always had pretty like reliable you know kind of reliable sort of a kind of reliable infrastructure for getting bands you know music out there you know maybe a little bit more so than than other small labels you know yeah so tell us uh, what's coming out. Uh, what's coming out now? I, I know um, I saw some interesting news about the Ergs. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, it's been kind of quiet the last couple of years as far as putting stuff out, and uh, you know, that's you know, kind of partly been by design, but also because of the whole you know global pandemic thing that we talked about earlier. Um, 
but I've been kind of wanting to get back into it. I only did one release in uh, 2020 and only it looks like only one in 2021 as well, which is pretty unprecedented uh, considering that, you know, there was for a lot of years I was doing 10 to 12 or sometimes even more every year. Yeah. What's um, the total number that of releases that you've put out? You know, it's, it's hard to say exactly, but somewhere around 170. Wow. That's um, so crazy. Cause I think the two records I have at the pressing plant right now are ZZZ 164 and 165. But hmm. then I also did a few on a short lived side label called uh, green noise records. Um, so green noise is all vinyl though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I only, I only did, I think I did like probably six or seven releases as green noise records. So yeah, it's anyways, the total number is uh, somewhere around 170, but um yeah, so I've had I've had kind of a break for, boy, the better part of the, like the last couple of years, but I'm I'm definitely itching to get back into it. What, what um, what's you know. the the people power like? Is it just you? Do you have more people or? Yeah, I mean, at at this point, um, you know, at its height, it was me and a couple of uh, you know, part time people. Uh, right now, I mean, basically, it's just me and, um, you know, but I have a lot of help though because you know we've got our distributor uh revolver in san francisco and they handle basically all of our wholesale sales for us and then we have you know green noise records in portland which i used to own but i no longer do uh but they still do all our mail mail order fulfillment and then you know we there's you know an outside publicist that we've been working with for a lot of years and like a licensing guy we've been working with for a lot of years but as far as like just all the day-to-day stuff like yeah it's just me Wow, that that's insane. That's incredible. But but I for me, it's always like you know we're, the world's gone mad and and there's so mm. much going on. But I really think if people just hold on, I think music is that that force that's going to hold everyone together. And I think what you're doing is so important. Oh, thanks. You know, it's kind of I kind of feel like with all the other stuff that's been going on in the world the last couple of years, that maybe that you know sometimes for me at least it's a little easy to maybe lose sight of that a little bit. You know. Um, you know, I mean, things seem kind of hopeless musically when, you know, no bands are going on tour and, mm-hmm. you know, your distributor shut down uh, because of quarantine and, you know, all this stuff. Um, you know, it was kind of looking pretty bleak for a while there. But I've kind of realized that, you know, I really need at least for my own, you know, peace of mind to kind of get busy on this again. So, yeah, um, there's got to be like, but you just always have to think like somewhere out there, there's a girl or, or a little dude that has picked up a guitar and they're learning an octave chord and they're like, this sounds cool. And then it's just going to happen again that there's always those magical moments. And there's that moment has to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it will. I mean, um, but with that said, I mean, I've, I've definitely got some stuff coming out. Uh, some of it I probably can't talk about, but, um, a couple that I can, um, uh, uh old dirt in a band called the Ergs, who has always been like a real favorite of mine. Uh, they just dropped a surprise seven inch in my lap a few months back. Like I had no idea they were working on new stuff or anything. And they just like sent me these songs and were like, Hey, you want to put out a single? That's so awesome. And yeah. And you know, of course I said yes. And yeah, they actually recorded nine, nine songs. Uh, I'm doing a four song EP and then, um, wall ride records, which is the drummer of uh, Nightbirds label. They're doing another EP. And then I think there's a, there's like another bonus song floating out there that I'm not sure what they're going to do with, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to say the least. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so I guess, you know, talking about the the future of everything, is there a band that you feel, whether it's on your label or like you said, you know, something that you might want to sign in the future that you feel is like, is worthy of like changing, maybe, maybe not changing music, but just changing people's, excitement about new stuff coming out um i, I know mean, that's I guess, a very you know, vague question <laughs> but take from that what you will yeah yeah sure i mean i think so you know again i was feeling kind of a little bit you know low on the inspiration front um you know these last couple of years just from not going up to shows or whatever uh but it seems like it's kind of swinging back around the other way for me there's definitely you know bands that I'm putting out or I'm talking about putting out that I'm excited about. Um, plus it seems like I'm kind of discovering new bands again. Um, I'm just trying to think of a couple, uh, there's a couple bands from San Francisco. I really like, uh, one is called neutrals and they just put out a really great album on emotional response records. And then there's also a band called spiritual cramp who I've been oh, love them. 
Yeah, I've just been listening to them a ton lately. Like, when their record came out a couple of years ago, I really liked it. But then, like, I kind of forgot about them for a while. But then they just put out this new single that's just insane. And I can't, uh, I just got it in the mail the other day and I, I can't stop listening to it. Yeah, they just played LA about a month ago. I, I missed it. I, I We were doing something else. My nephew went, uh, what's up, Douglas? And, you know, just mind blowing. <laughs> that band is always mind blowing. So, yeah, actually, I think I saw his uh, Instagram. I saw them you know on his story or something yeah. like that um cool well you know i don't get out to the west coast as much as i used to but uh you know those are definitely some new bands that i'm excited about and you know hope to see you know hope to see live one of these decades <laughs> yeah and when it when it comes to your your process of signing and you don't have to give away too much like do you do, do you do it just based on i mean what are your criteria like obviously you have to like what they sound like but is is there more to mm. it because i know a lot of times with some labels are like well what else do you have going on or you know what I mean? What's the right. business plan? Right. Well, you know, I mean, I should say that, you know, first and foremost, it's, you know, I've got to really like the music. Um, I mean, that that almost kind of goes without saying. Yeah. But some other things I look at, uh, and I think I touched on this, you know, I kind of want bands to not just be good, but also be kind of good in a certain way that kind of fits in with the bigger, you know, kind of picture that I'm trying to paint with the label. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, it's kind of a tightrope act in a lot of ways because it's like i don't want to just sign up a bunch of bands that sound exactly the same which i think at there's certain points in the label i could have if i had wanted to um but um also look you know know, kind of look for bands that aren't exactly the same but still kind of provide sort of like a thread of continuity you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah has has there been also Oh, I'm oh so sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say, has there been a band that you like just absolutely love, but you just you just couldn't see them making you know working on your label? Oh yeah, I mean tons. I mean you know you might get the impression if you listen to, you know if you listen to to the Dirtnap catalog that I really only like this one specific thing, but really I like all kinds of stuff. You know, I mean yeah, um, yeah. I mean there's just there's you know probably hundreds of bands out there who I really like, but I just don't think fit in on dirt nap. Um, but then, yeah. And as far as some other stuff goes, you know, I mean, I definitely like, I like it if bands are willing and able to tour. Yeah. Um, although it's not necessarily a requirement. I mean, it kind of will sort of affect what set, what kind of budget I put on a record. Uh, if I know the bands aren't going to tour at all, but if I like it enough, I'll put it out anyways. That's always like, it's like the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. Cause like you'll go to a label and like, well, who's your agent? And if you try to get an agent, it's like, well, who's the label? You know what I mean? And it's right. sometimes that like new bands, like that's the biggest problem. I think the the hurdle they have to overcome is do you get an agent first? Do you get it? Obviously you should get an attorney. Um, or do you get a label mm-hmm. first? You know what I mean? Right. Right. I, th- I think, you know, most of our bands, I think, book themselves. I mean, and I know a few of them do have booking agents, but um, yeah, I mean, a lot, I mean, I think a lot of our bands are pretty, um, you know, hands on as far as doing as much stuff as possible themselves. Yeah, every band that I've seen on your label, I mean, they're always like DIY. So it's like your support as well as their hard work um, and your hard work just goes a long way. And I think that's a great thing about like punk rock in general is there's always that community. So um, you know, shows there's, you know, people like Marty ploy that I've known, you know, for years, um, you know, like who used to book at VLHS, um, would just, it's just all relationships, you know? Um, Oh, sure. And there's just that community there and there would always be people there. And like, you know, that's a place that I miss. I only got to go there once, but it was awesome. Awesome. Who did you go see? Uh, I tagged along with low culture. Oh, Uh, nice. Yeah, they they played a few shows in in Southern California, and I kind of just went went along with them. And uh, yeah, I had a really good time talking to Marty and hanging out at VL, VLHS. I'm pretty sure that's the only time I was ever there. Oh yeah, I mean, um, yeah. it had you know it had its history for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great place. I mean, I saw radioactivity there. Oh cool. Uh, yeah, it was super super awesome. Um, oh cool, awesome. I I gotta say, when it comes to what you're doing and, and you know things like Triple B, like. You guys are just really you're proving that it doesn't have to change if, if if you have the energy and the drive. And this is what bands like ACDC did and Black Flag did and mm-hmm. the Ramones. You jump in a van. If you can get town to town and play a show like there's someone there that's going to support it. And I mean, it means so much because it's so important to have music for people to see and maybe inspire people, especially in times like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, kind of, the you know, the kind of popularity of 
the style of music that I guess Dirt, Dirt Nap specializes in. It kind of, you know, it kind of comes and goes and ebbs and wanes of, you know, been doing this long enough that I've seen it kind of go into fashion and then drift back out of fashion a couple of times at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, there's always going to be an audience for it. And, and, you know, in the age of the internet, there's pretty much always going to be some kind of an audience for everything. You know what I mean? I don't think, you know, no matter what the genre or subgenre of music that you're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm sure there is, you know, a healthy scene for it somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Do you, do you approach yeah. the business the same way or do you now start looking at streaming and, and put some of your energy that way? Or are you just like, Hey, I'm putting oh, up. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, you, you definitely, I mean, you kind of have to, you know, you, you know, I feel like, you know, on the one hand, I've got this way of doing things that I'm pretty accustomed to and pretty comfortable with and don't really have a lot of interest in, you know, making drastic changes to, but you know, kind of also the sort of, re you know, outside realities of, you know, the, the, you know, the music business and the music scene and just the world in general, it, you know, it, it does and is changing and, and you kind of have to adapt to that. So, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, I, I kind of have sort of mixed feelings about streaming. I mean, it kind of depends on what day you ask me. Um, but you know, I'm definitely doing everything I can to, you know, kind of adapt to this, you know, sort of newish world we find ourselves in. Yeah. Uh, it, as far as that stuff goes. If you could look ahead 10 years, would you want to still be doing what you're doing or resting on your laurels? Cause you've done a lot for this, this scene and for, for music and fans. Yeah. Well, I mean, just as far as my own life goes, I mean, in 10 years, I'll be 60 and I'm, you know, feeling kind of, kind of old as it is sometimes these days. <laughs> um, but you know, on the other hand, you know, it's, I've been doing the, you know, I've been doing the label thing for so long that it's really just, you know, kind of a part of who I am. And, you know, I don't think that's really going to change. You know, I don't think I'm going to like, you know, wake up one morning and go like, oh, I guess I don't like music anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Um, but it's definitely kind of, a, you know, again, it's kind of a bit of a balancing and tightrope act, sort of kind of keeping this stuff up as you kind of get older and maybe your priorities change a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty darn happy with you know, the label at the moment, I mean, there's always stuff I could complain about, but you know, all in all, I think it's gone, you know, a lot better than I could have expected when I first started it, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. I, th I think punk rock's yeah. like evil Knievel and I think punk rock has <laughs> at least two more big jumps in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always going to, you know, this stuff all works in cycles and it, it all, you know, it all goes away and then it all comes back when, once you think it's never coming back, then all of a sudden it does, you know what I mean? Um, and you know, I've been around, around the block long enough to know that. So, you know, I would, I will say kind of probably sales wise, you know, we're definitely not at some of the peak times that we used, you know, have been in the past, but again, I've seen it kind of go up and down and up and down and it just seems to be like one big, one big circle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, having said that, I know it's been a tough, um, past 18, 20, I can't even keep count mm -hmm. anymore, but months, um, I guess almost two years at this point, um, and so I just want to encourage whoever's listening, um, to support dirt nap records. Um, they have oh, thanks. a Patreon, um, and they have different, um, levels of subscription, but, um, there's a lot of cool incentives, you know, weekly Spotify mixtapes curated by you. Um, and free stuff. Yeah. Free stuff. There's the you know, pre-order <laughs> limited vinyl, um, so, I mean, yeah, definitely. I know it's times are tough for everyone, but if you are able to support, then, I mean, this is definitely to a great, great cause. Yeah. Music heals all. Well, thanks guys. Yeah. I uh, know. Thanks for the, thanks for the plug on the Patreon. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I know that there's certainly, you know, most people probably have, you know, better things to do with their money than to subscribe to our stupid Patreon, but, <laughs> you know, still, uh, you know, I mean, you know, with that said, I mean, I really do you know, genuinely support, you know, uh, you know, appreciate all the support people give me, whether it's from, you know, buying records or going to see our bands on tour or, or even streaming our stuff on Spotify or, you know, just whatever. I mean, I'm just glad that, you know, basically that I've been doing this for 22 years now and that any, you know, anybody still gives a shit at all. You know, it seems, you know, and so sometimes it seems kind of mind blowing to me. Well, yeah. honestly, there's so much work that goes behind the scenes that people, you know, will probably never know that you've done. So, you know, it's, the least that that I could do, so I will I will definitely support it. You know, I bought a couple records the other day, um, cool. and continue to do so. But um, thank you again so much um, for giving a shit for yeah for caring <laughs> for, for doing what you do and um, and for taking the time to 
to speak with us about it. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, thank you guys. And you guys, please keep doing what you're doing too. I think you're, you're definitely onto something good with the podcast. I've been kind of slowly met, working my way back through the, you know, the, the, the first season or whatever, and uh, definitely some great stuff on there. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. it. We're just, we're just, yeah. we're a couple of knuckleheads. Yeah. The three of us. <laughs> yeah, we just love music and, and talking about it. And yeah. So awesome. Well, I do too. So there you go. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. Really Thanks, guys. Roll. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks again.